We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready, down, put, 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 put. This is the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming. Aaron Lemming providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. What's up, Bears fans? Welcome to another edition of the Bear Report Podcast. We were recording this a day after the Chicago Bears. Well, a 14-point lead and fell to the Detroit Lions at Soldier Field. They are now 3-7 and seven overall in the year. But like last week, there are still some positives to take away from this game. There's also a few negatives to t- kind of take away from this game, mainly on the defensive side of the football. We're going to break it all down for you, get you ready for next week. Well, actually this week against the Atlanta Falcons, another road game. The Bears will then be on the road again against the New York Jets. And before we do that, though, let me bring in my co-host, Aaron Lemming. And Aaron, we can go a lot of different ways with um, how Sunday's game went. I, I feel like there's a lot of storylines. I feel like there's a lot of arguing going on right now um, all over the place. Um, but, yeah, it was another wild game and a game where the offense took a step forward and the Bears pretty much are what they are right now. Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty much a, a good way of describing it. And, I, and I'm sure you've kind of learned this over the years too, especially with as uh, explosive as Twitter happens to be, especially on game days is, you know, it's like I tweeted out yesterday, you know, it was, it, it's a bad, it's a thing. I, I understand that the bears are rebuilding and I understand that wins don't mean a lot right now. And frankly, losing benefits them in terms of draft capital. I'm fully aware of all of that, but with all of that being said, it just, man, it just feels like yesterday's loss was just not one of those losses that you really want to take. I mean, for one, it's against the Detroit Lions. I mean, I, I'll i be honest, I didn't I didn't see how the Lions are going to be able to win that game. And frankly, they shouldn't have. The Bears were up 14 points at one point, took their foot off the gas, let them back into the game. Obviously, some unfavorable, uh, you know, uh, officiating calls happened and obviously the pick six from, from Justin Fields. But the Bears shouldn't have lost that game. And again, I understand, you know, looking at the bigger picture, frankly, you know, it's one of those situations where, you know, you know, higher draft positioning is, is good. And really none of these wins or losses mean anything like this year mean anything for next year. I get all that. It's not going to turn away free agents, anything like that, but it's like, sometimes it's about the small victories. And I think for a guy like Justin Fields, especially, he's not used to losing, man. I mean, he's always been, 
the best quarterback wherever he's gone, even, you know, when him and Trevor Lawrence were uh, duking it out back in the, what was it, the, the, the seven-on-seven flag football things when he was beating Trevor Lawrence there. Even in, in college, if you look at his two years at Ohio State, I mean, even the year that he was with Georgia, they win football games. And that's the thing is Justin Fields is not used to losing. And really all he's known in the NFL for the most part is losing. And again, that's not to say that this, that that things won't change. And that's not even to say that it's his fault because it's not, let's be honest, man. Justin Fields has been the best player on either side of the ball for the bears. And quite frankly, I think you can argue, um, you know, pretty easily that Justin Fields was the best player on the field for either Detroit or the bears on Sunday, but it still doesn't take away from the fact that, it would be nice to see them win every once in a while. And I know, you know, some it's like you, if you mention the offense, if you mention anything negative about the offense, it somehow becomes a direct reflection of Justin Fields. And that's just not the case with what I said yesterday in terms of this being a rough loss and the fact that the offense couldn't get it done. That's just the plain facts of the situation, right? I mean, that's just really what it is. It doesn't mean that Justin Fields was at fault, it, you know, but it also doesn't admonish Justin Fields from, you know, obviously you got to make some plays at some point. Uh, in those final minutes and you know that goes with receivers and the offensive line as well it's a collective thing when I say the offense but it was amazing how many people were defensive of Justin Fields during that it's like this is a rebuild man like these types of things going to happen but again I'll maintain this like I understand they get better draft positioning out of it's really the difference between pick six and 15 right now in terms of like up-to-date draft order but it's just still, man, it's one of those games where I, I don't know about you, but I just, it just it didn't really sit right them losing that type of game. So I'm with you, and I'm glad you brought this up because I was going to say, I think the reason why this one feels worse than last week in terms of losing the game, but Justin Fields looking exciting and Justin Fields making plays was the Miami Dolphins are a way better team than the Chicago Bears. The Miami Dolphins are going to go in the AFC playoffs and they're probably going to be the what fourth best team, maybe third best team, depending on how things fall you, outside of Buffalo and Kansas City, who I think are still the two best teams, despite Buffalo's struggles. The Bears are in a complete rebuild. The Lions are pretty much in a rebuild, and I would argue that they're on the same level. Maybe the Lions are, are, are a level ahead right now because I think – the Lions roster has better pieces than the Bears. I think the Bears have the most important piece in the quarterback. But overall, the Lions, you know, have Aiden Hutchinson. They have St. Brown. They have uh, Jeff Oduka. And they have, you know, Pini Sowell. They have pieces on the offensive line. I, I think it's crazy because, like, like you said, man, you go on Twitter and it's just, if you say anything about the offense struggling in the fourth quarter, anything like that, it's like pitchforks out. Do I think the offense lost on this game? No. And I don't think the offense lost in the game against Miami. I think the offense played very well. Is there an argument that's being made by fans, beat reporters, casual observers outside of the city of Chicago, where, yeah, you would like to see the offense maybe go down the field and lead a game-winning drive? I think there is a case and I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. And, you know, I'm guilty of doing it too. We're all guilty of doing this. But because you say, I would like to see the Bears score on one of those two final drives, they didn't, that's disappointing. That doesn't take away from what Justin Fields and the offense did the rest of the game. I think people see that automatically think, oh, yeah, they played terrible. That guy thinks they played terrible. And there's a lot of stuff going around. Like, you, it's just... If you if you say 
oh, he, you know, the final drive, I wish the offense would have scored. They should have scored. That would have been nice. People just automatically assume that you're just a Justin Fields hater or you don't want them to succeed. That's not the case at all. And I think a lot of us find that out on Twitter and we're all guilty of it. So it's just, it's a wild time. Like I, I think in my eyes, I see both sides. I'm kind of leaning on both sides as weird as that sounds. I'm a little disappointed that in the fourth quarter, they did not lead another scoring drive. They did not get another scoring drive at the end because I do think the lions are a team you should beat. They had the worst defense going into that game. Them and the bears are the two worst defenses in the NFL. From what I've seen watching games, I don't care about stats or anything like that. They're two of the worst defenses in the NFL. That's a defense you should probably take advantage of. And, you know, would have been nice to get a game-winning drive. At the same time, the defense, the Bears defense gave up 31 points in the, in the game and kind of blew it um, a, a couple times. So, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just it's a weird – it's just a weird day on Twitter right now. It's a weird argument back and forth, um, media, fans, people, radio, everything. It's just – it's really not something that we should be doing right now. We should all be appreciating Justin Fields, what he's done, but we should also take in consideration they probably should have beat a Lions team. And again, like I'm not trying to play both sides of the fence. I'm just like right down the middle on it right now, trying to figure out which side is is, is more reasonable. I, I think both sides have reasons. Both sides have good arguments to that. Yeah, no, and I agree. And I think that it's it's a nuanced conversation, right? It's not just a simple situation of either Justin Fields is good or Justin Fields is bad because let's be honest here and and this is kind of something that I've seen quite a bit of today like you had Dan Arlovsky from ESPN that went out and said that Justin Fields should be in the MVP conversation I'm sorry no 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 let's let's that is the worst take of them all yeah I'm with I'm with you I think I understand I don't mean to cut you off I I get why people are upset with the Bears beat asking for a, a game winning drive and there's been a lot of like quote tweets on the Sun-Times tweet that was out last night. But Dan Orlovsky saying that, I mean, that's just like, I love Justin Fields. That's not realistic. There's at least seven to eight players that are ahead of him in the MVP conversation. Well, and and I think that's kind of the thing, right, is the MVP is not just really what it comes down to. Is the MVP is not just about a single player. It's not like in the MLB where Mike Trout can win the MVP and the Angels finish in fourth place every year. Like, it's not – it's not that simple, really. I mean, when you look at it, look at I mean, look at the the MVPs over the last what five to seven years, and almost all of those teams go to the playoffs and either win a Super Bowl or get close to it. Uh, and again, like, dude, Justin Fields has been playing out of his mind. I mean, there's been multiple times every single one of these games over the last four weeks where you're just like you're sitting there, like, how in the hell did he just do that? Like, Justin Fields has taken massive steps and i don't know about you but man i feel fantastic about the bears future i feel fantastic about justin field's future because he's doing all of this with again a really bad supporting cast and i think that because of what luke getsy did coming out of that mini bye week in terms of the adjustments that he made for that new england game that have kind of carried over and the fact that the bears are averaging, you know, over 30 points a game over their last four games. I think a lot of people tend to forget just how bad a lot of the supporting cast is around Justin Fields. The offensive line is still bad. I I, I want to remind people of that because I think people are forgetting just because they're not giving up as many sacks that they've improved. The reason that things have improved are because schematically speaking and game plan wise, 
things are very different and they're they're shying away from the severe weaknesses on this roster and again justin fields deserves a lot of credit for that and i think it's i think it's asinine you know it's just a to me, it's just as asinine to say that Justin Fields should be in the MVP race just because of what that award really is. I think it's just as asinine to sit there and say that this is this type of performance and this type of offense is not sustainable. That's nonsense. I mean, it, again, like I understand that people have a hard time accepting athletic running quarterbacks. They say, oh, they can't hold up, and they point to RG3, they point to Cam Newton. Okay, well, let's look at this. RG3 – was one of the most reckless quarterbacks, physically speaking, that I've ever seen play the game in my life. And I think that anybody who actually watched him play would probably agree. He had a lot of talent, but he was also extremely reckless, and the injury showed up early. Cam Newton was a considerably bigger guy than most quarterbacks that we've ever seen. He was also very athletic, but he was very, very, very physical. And he sought out contact. And, I mean, if we're being completely honest, it took him 10 years to finally wear down. Like, But, again, if you look at Justin Fields and you look at Lamar Jackson and, you know, those types of quarterbacks – you're looking at a situation where they're just beating guys purely based on athleticism and the running part is a part of their game. If you go back and you look at Lamar Jackson's numbers from 2019, when he won the MVP, he didn't have gaudy passing numbers. It wasn't like he was averaging, you know, 270, 300 yards through the air passing. And, you know, obviously you'd like to see Justin Fields start throwing for over 200 yards, but it's really hard to do that when you're dropping back and throwing the ball you know, consistently 20, 22 times a game. And again, some of those are just broken down plays, kind of goes back to the offensive line, whatever. But I think it's one of those things where, again, like the conversation lacks nuance in a lot of ways where it's it's become this extreme where he's either an MVP candidate or none of this is going to hold up and it's all smoke and mirrors. When the reality of the situation is, is that we've seen over the last five or so years the developmental curve on quarterbacks have changed. The overall offense and how uh, you know offensive coordinators are scheming, how they're calling plays, what types of offenses they're running have drastically changed. I mean, seven years ago, you had a lot of people out there saying, "Oh, well, you know, this quarterback runs, you know, a, a college offense, you know, a spread college offense, and you know, doing all these different concepts that's never going to work on the NFL." And then all of a sudden, we start seeing all these offensive minds, these brilliant offensive minds, starting to bring those college concepts to the NFL. The same exact way as we're seeing a lot of the defensive coordinators get back in a lab and finally adjust and do things differently and stop some of these high-powered offenses from averaging, you know, 30 to 35 points a game. And now you're starting to see the offensive outputs actually been down a lot this year, which means quarterback outputs actually been down quite a bit this, this year as well, because the, this league is about constant adjustments. So this nonsense about this, this isn't sustainable. And that Justin Fields game is smoke and mirrors. One is just, it, it just, it, it, it lacks any sort of view on what history recent history has shown us in terms of offense, but two, it also lacks any bit of credit uh, that that needs to be given to Justin Fields. Like I, I feel like we need to remind everybody, and that people need to be reminded that Justin Fields was not a running quarterback in college. Like, yes, he was athletic. Yes, he was fast. Yes, he had the ability to do what he's doing now. But that was not the quarterback that he was in college. And I get it. He's a quarterback. He should be throwing the ball. Blah 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 blah. blah. But the reality of it is, is he's averaging close to 300 yards per game in total offense. Not to mention averaging four touchdowns a game over his last three games. 
That's insane. Those are crazy, crazy good numbers. Now, if you obviously if you average that out over and you're just looking at those numbers, and yeah, maybe he's in the MVP conversation if the Bears win nine or ten games. I agree with that. But I, I just think it's one of those situations where I'm not saying that Justin Fields is doing something that no quarterback has ever done. But what I am saying is that Justin Fields is carving out his own path. Does he still have, you know, development, you know, development, uh, especially as far as a passer goes, especially a pocket passer? Absolutely. Every single young quarterback does. He's not Trevor Lawrence. He's not going to be primarily a passer with some athleticism. Uh, but at the same time, he also has a whole nother element to his game, as we've seen over the last two weeks, where you can just break off a 60-plus yard touchdown run. He can keep them in it. Even after he makes a mistake, he's able to come back and he's able to keep his team in the game. He's got 13 touchdowns and three interceptions over his last uh, four games. That's insane. 13 total. Oh, sorry, I guess I actually be over his last five games. Uh, but either way. Those numbers right there are insane. It doesn't matter if he's running the ball. It doesn't matter if he's passing the ball. The reality of it is, is that he is this offense. And I think that at some point in time, people need to realize, yes, Justin Fields at moments has taken hits. Here's what I'll say about that. I am much more concerned or have been much more concerned about the hits that he has taken in the pocket being sacked than the majority of the hits that he's taken as runner. Now, obviously, that first touchdown run, I kind of held my breath a little bit. I think most people did. Uh, but for the most part, he's been really smart running the ball because they're all designed run, or most of them are designed runs to keep him out of harm's way to basically pick up a quick, you know, 10, 15, 20 yards down the sideline and get out without being touched. So, again, you know, we're at that point. And again, I'm not complaining because let's be honest, man. If you would have told me that this was going to be the conversation and this was going to be the feeling where you had Dan Arlovsky completely, and, and I'm not blaming him. I'm not, let's just put it out there right now. I'm not blaming him for this, whatever. But the complete flip that we have seen from guys like Dan Arlovsky to where at the beginning of the year, it was all about that the Bears weren't surrounding him with enough talent, which I agree with, um, and that he was in a position to fail. And, you know, we had all these people like Connor Orr from uh, Sports Illustrated saying that Justin Fields should be demanding a trade. And, you know, this is complete negligence to all of a sudden this this conversation that he could be in the MVP talks again I don't agree with it and and I I get why the flip has happened but I think that that flip over the last you know four or five weeks is a complete testament to not only Justin Fields but also Luke Getzey and what he's been able to do for this offense and it's I don't know it's just crazy because we went from I think a lot of fans were like man I don't know like you know those first few games of the year it's like I don't know you know week one was okay but you know week two through four you're thinking okay this is not looking great you know maybe if this ends really badly and Justin Fields doesn't show he's the guy you know the Bears are gonna have they'll have a top five pick maybe they can pick one of these quarterbacks so all of a sudden sitting here thinking okay the Bears have got the quarterback of the future now how high is the ceiling and I think that's where we're at right now where yeah, they're going to lose a lot of games. I mean, that's just what it is. They're in the rebuild. Uh, the nice thing is the offseason is going to be uh, fruitful with plenty of upgrades, both offensively and defensively. But it's just crazy to me how, like, I don't know about you, but this is the most excited that I've been to watch the Bears, even though I'm expecting them to lose most of these games. This is the most exciting time that I've had watching the Bears, and I don't know how long, and it's because of one, one guy and one guy only, and that's Justin Fields. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There's a lot of things and a lot of layers here, you know, to really pull back with this whole situation. I mean, going into the season, it was a rebuild, man. Look at the moves they made. I, I know you agree with this. The, the moves they made signaled a rebuild. They did nothing to boost the front seven. They struck out on Larry Ojanobi. They went and got Justin Jones, who I think has been good. But other than that, they can't like they cannot get any pressure or anything on the quarterback with their you know, four down linemen. They have to bring blitzes. When they bring blitzes, their secondary is getting beat. And when they're not bringing blitzes, the secondary has to cover long longer, and they're getting beat. So it's a full rebuild. Any notion, anyone that told you or wrote anything that said the Bears are going to be a surprise team, they're going to be one of the better teams in the NFC, they have a chance of competing. It's all horse crap, man. They never, like, they never did. It was all about one thing. It was about Justin Fields' development, building this roster the way that Ryan Poles wants to build this roster. He was left with just a really shitty situation from Ryan Pace and all the dead money and having to move on from veteran players and trading players and things like that. He has to completely retool the roster. That type of stuff does not happen overnight. It, it, it takes a couple of years to fix. When you have a quarterback, it accelerates it. They don't have the weapons around Justin Fields. Like we're, we're, we're looking at Justin Fields with the receiving core right now of Dante Pettis, EQ St. Brown, Darnell Mooney, um, Chase Claypool, and Byron Pringle. And there's just no weapons. Yeah, Cole Komet's a good is a good tight end right now, and, and he's, he's playing very well. I'm, I'm happy to see it. Khalil Herbert, David Montgomery have been okay. I mean, Herbert's probably been the better back. Outside of that, man, they just don't have it on offense. And, you know, they're evaluating the quarterback position, and the quarterback's playing fine. I mean, yeah, he's running a lot. He's going to do that. He was not a natural runner at, at Ohio State, like you said. He was more of a prolific passer at Ohio state, like one of the better passers in the country when he was in college, he's having to do what he has to do, make plays, keep plays alive, make these fantastic plays because the talent around him, it's just not there. It's awful. It's, it's among the worst assembled talent in the NFL right now for skill position players on offense. And when you're trying to look at this, yeah, you do want to build a, a winning culture. You want to win some games. You, you should beat the Detroit Lions. That stuff matters. However, I don't think yesterday's loss got them any further from where they want to get to. And if they won, I don't think it got them any close. If they would want, I don't think it would have got them any closer to where they want to get to. I just think this whole thing of the winning culture—it just all goes back to losing to a team that that you should have beat. And again, I understand both sides of it. It's just a weird place to be at right now. One thing I do want to talk about that I think it's a good point that. Um, you have touched on on Twitter and I'm looking at this 
here, and, and Adam Hogue, I believe, tweeted this, that um, when looking at this offense yesterday and, and the wide receivers, okay, you had Chase Claypool was was active and he was out there. You had Nikhil Harry, who was not ha- active, a healthy scratch. Bayless Jones, a rookie, a healthy scratch. The Bears spent a second-round pick on Chase Claypool. They spent a third-round pick on um, Bayless Jones Jr., and they spent a seventh-round pick on Nikhil Harry. And yesterday, they combined for one catch, eight yards, and just 19 snaps. And the one catch was actually one of those plays where you kind of flip it to the receiver, and it's the easy completion that we're kind of seeing across the NFL right now that are more of pitches. Um, 19 snaps, two of those players were inactive. And I'm guessing you'll agree with me on this uh, on this statement here. I understand if Velas Jones is not where he needs to be and doesn't really know the offense and, and could be a little bit of a liability in developing Justin Fields. I think all three of those players, Claypool, Jones, and Harry, need to be active every single week, barring an injury. I think every single one of them could do what EQ St. Brown, Dante Pettis, and Byron Pringle are doing, and potentially maybe even better in, in the case of Harry. Yeah, well, I think it. I think what it comes down to is it's, it's an unfortunate numbers game right now. And I agree, because here's the thing, you know, when you're talking about Claypool, you know, obviously they gave up a second-round pick for him. When you're talking about Bayless Jones Jr., they spent a third-round draft pick on him. And then you talk about Nikhil Harry, they traded away a future seventh-round pick for him. And I think it's unfortunate because you're looking at a situation where obviously – there's a lot of weird, at least in my opinion, there's a lot of weird uh, um, pressing coming, you know, in regards to Chase Claypool right now. I, I think a lot of people don't realize that he actually got hurt in yesterday's game and he was in and out uh, for, I think it was, was it like a quarter, half, two quarters. I mean, you were at that game, right? Sorry. Yeah. My mic was muted there. Yes. Yes. I didn't notice okay. that because he was only on the field for 19 snaps. Yeah, you know, exactly. Kind of so, out. Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, with Chase Claypool, I think that that kind of needs to be kept in mind. This isn't Madden football. This isn't a plug and play situation where you can bring in any receiver running any type of offense and just, you know, you know, and I had somebody say, well, you know, he's a receiver. He runs routes. He, you know, every, every team has the same route tree. Okay. But how about if I tell you, you know, if I give you a task in a completely different language, are you going to know that right out of the gate? Or is it going to take you some time to learn the new terminology and exactly the how Cadence I'm- says everything's different. Exactly. Everything's different. And that's the thing is, okay, cool. Yeah. The, the, the same, you know, route numbers one through nine. Okay. But outside of that, like everything else is different. So if I tell you that in a different way that you don't understand, it's going to take you some time to learn it. But yeah, kind of getting back to your point with, with the receiving core, I agree here. Here's my take. Here's my personal take. I think had the NFL not closed a loophole in regards to comp picks and the fact that you could cut a player before, I think it was like week nine or week 10 or whatever it was. I firmly believe that the Bears would have cut Byron Pringle and said, okay, we're going to take that third-round comp pick for uh, Allen Robinson because he's the one who canceled out that third-round comp pick for Allen Robinson. Like, they would have turned around and said, yeah, we're going to we're gonna cut him, cut bait. The problem is, is not only did you pay him $4 million a year, but you did cost yourself a fourth-round – sorry, a third-round comp pick. My bad. A third-round comp pick 
Um, and the process of, you know, signing him, obviously, amongst others, it's, it's, you know, it's a calculation, it's a formula, it's not quite as simple as that, but you get my point, like you could, if you could cut him you, with the old loophole, I think they would have done it. Now, I think that they, they face a tough situation because, yes, Nikhil Harry is one of those guys who's probably better as a bigger slot, obviously doesn't have a lot of bursts, not, not a great amount of athleticism or overall speed, um, but I do like what he brings to the offense, even if it's for two or three catches a game. I do like what he brings to the offense. I think the tough thing with like Economia St. Brown, for example, right now is obviously the dude is not fit to be anything more than a four or five in a normal offense. That's exactly how the Green Bay Packers used him, uh, despite the fact that a lot of people had him projected as a second round pick coming out of Notre Dame. I get all that. You know, it, it is what it is. He knows the offense, he's a good blocker. And then with Dante Pettis, you got a situation where, frankly, he's a really good route runner. And I think the main reason why he's been active or even on the roster still is the fact that he brings special teams value. And I think that that's where it kind of rules out a guy like Bayless Jones Jr. And I think where he really screwed himself on those punt returns. And I'll be honest, I think just based on pure usage before Claypool and while Byron Pringle was hurt and all that stuff, I don't think that – uh, Valus Jones Jr. is grasping the offense quite as well as they had hoped. And again, I get it. All the jokes. He's 25 years old. He's still a little rookie. It doesn't matter how long, you know, how old he is or how long he was at college for. It's still a completely different level at the NFL, you know, at, at the NFL level. And frankly, there's a really good argument to be made that from a developmental feeling, um, you know, taking older prospects that never really had a ton of like sustained success in college um, with questionable hands and a limited route tree and all that other stuff is usually a gamble that you take in the, you know, in day three and not, not as your third round pick. But I agree with you in, in terms of, I do think, you know, in a perfect world, yes, you have Nikhil Harry, um, you know, active and, you you know, he's kind of your slot guy. And I think, you know, in a perfect world, you'd simply say, okay, Valus Jones Jr., you may not be very good at punt returns. We're going to go ahead and give you another shot. We're going to try to figure this thing out because ultimately, you know, all these receivers that we just mentioned, they have four receivers that are going to be free agents at the end of the year. Nikhil Harry, who they gave up a future seventh round pick for, Byron Pringle, EQ St. Brown, and Dante Pettis. Out of those four names, quite frankly, um, the only one that I'd even really, really entertain keeping or want back next year would be Nikhil Perry. And again, you spent a third round pick on Bayless Jones Jr. So at some point in time, you've got to at least see if you can get anything out of him at all, even if it is special teams value or whatever. I mean, he still brings, let's just put it this way. His jet sweep ability is still a hell of a lot better than watching EQ St. Brown do it or Dante Pettis at this point in time. So, yeah, I, I think I agree with you in a perfect world. I, I do think that they should be active. I think the situation that they've kind of backed themselves into, especially with the Claypool move, is the fact that you know Claypool's going to be starting on the outside. You know Darnell Mooney's going to be starting on the outside. And then all of a sudden in the slot – you spent $4 million and cost yourself a comp pick with Byron Pringle. Um, so you might as well see what you got over these next few games. Cause I mean, here's the reality, right? Over these next seven games, if he produces and he becomes a receiver that you signed him to be, he's going to be really cheap to bring back. You got your slot receiver next year. If he doesn't work out, it is what it is, but it's unfortunately it's a numbers game and it's a tough situation, especially when it comes down to Bayless Jones Jr. Um, I'm going to be very interested to see, because I mean, here's the thing. I mean, with Nikhil Harry, yes, he doesn't know the offense like uh, EQ St. Brown does, but I would say that he's just as good of a blocker. And frankly, he's got a much higher ceiling as a receiver, but it's just tough, man, because 
we can talk about who can be active and you know who who you want to be active and who you don't. But if you're throwing the ball twenty to twenty two times, you know twenty to twenty two times a game, it didn't really much matter how many receivers you have out there because realistically, if you know Chase Claypool was still the third leading uh, targeted receiver, at least uh, at least the numbers that I saw. Um, so it's one of those situations where it's like. If you've got Cole Komet, who's obviously a, a focal point of the offense, if you got running backs who can catch and at least make plays from time to time, you got Darnell Mooney, you got Chase Claypool. If you're only throwing the ball 22 times a game, I mean, how much other opportunity does that leave that third receiver? And I think that that's kind of the question moving forward is where do you want to put that value in? How does that value stack up with knowing that these guys are going to do the right things with you know EQ St. Brown and Dante Pettis? Uh, versus some of the upside and development that you need to see from a guy like Bayless Jones Jr. or even Nikhil Harry. I don't know. It's 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 a tough situation, and like I said, in a perfect world, I would agree with you. But I also think that it's just it's it's a difficult position to be in, especially. And I think Byron Pringle is what makes it so difficult. And I think that, that there's also, in my personal opinion, I think that there's a reason that they waited until the very end of that window to activate him because I think they were kind of hoping things would work themselves out and they'd have a clear point moving forward. And frankly, they don't. They just have a lot of the same receiver. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just what happens when you try to patch a position with with low signings like that. And, you know, I, I it's tough because you want to see Justin Fields develop. You want to see him grow. At the same time, you have to evaluate the roster. And I would just like to see. I mean, let's see Harry out there. Let's see Velas out there. And you're right about, about Claypool. I, I do think it's going to take him some time. It's not going to be where he's out there you know, 70, 80% of the offensive snaps yet. It's just, it's going to take some time from to kind of learn this offense and, and be that um, possession wide receiver that the bears were hoping for. Speaking of moving forward, we have to kind of get into our game this week against the Atlanta Falcons. Before we do that though, we need to tell our listeners about odds trader. Odds trader is the best site to compare all odds from all major sports books across the web. You can also compare different signup codes and promotions to get the best deal for your deposit from all the major sports books as well. The NFL season rolling on, college football here wrapping up the regular season in a couple of weeks, the NBA is going forward here, NHL, and then the World Cup starting next week. You wanted to use Odds Trader to get the best value on everything in the betting world. They have some great features. On, on Odds Trader, including play-by-play updates, live scores, key game statistics, player statistics, handicapping, projected game day weather, and my favorite, the Bet Tracker, which allows you to re- keep records of all your games and betting activity. Bearport listeners can go to oddstrader.com slash blue wire. Oddstrader.com slash blue wire. Oddstrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. Week 11, Aaron, the Bears go on the road. They have two straight on the road. The Atlanta Falcons and then the New York Jets. And it'll be a little bit of a reunion um, with Phil Emery and Ryan Pace and a bunch of former Bears players playing in Atlanta. But the biggest storyline here is it's a road game, a chance for the Bears to get a win, get the offense moving again, get the defense possibly going and playing better. But there's going to be a big storyline. Do the Falcons go with Marcus Mariota? Do they go with rookie Desmond Ritter? 
watching that Falcons Panthers game on Thursday, that was a crap fest from Atlanta. And, and they have talent, man. I think, I think Drake London is a fantastic wide receiver. He's going to be really good for years to come. Kyle Pitts has not been able to figure it out. They really don't target him much in the red zone. And they're being hampered right now by by the quarterback play. So will the Bears get a rookie quarterback again this week uh, to go against? Something to kind of keep an eye on. But overall, I mean, this is another chance for the Bears to, to, to go out there, like I said, and get a win and play well. This will be a, a, you know, a little bit of a tough road test. Playing on the road is always tough. The, the Falcons are three-and-a-half-point favorites to open up the game. But I want to see this defense, especially this front seven, play a lot better. I want to see them get pressure on the quarterback. You know what? I I do want to see him go on the road and, and steal a win from the NFC South opponent. Well, I think this is another winnable game for them. I I, I mean, I think these next two, well, really three, because I mean, I I know Green Bay won, and we'll have to see what happens over the next few weeks. I know people are kind of thinking maybe they're back live, but I, I think these next three games are much like the D- Detroit game. They're winnable games, man. Like if the Bears get a few breaks, like they're they could very easily they could just as easily be six and four right now. Uh, as they are uh, three and seven, like as crazy as that is to say, like if they clean up a few things, even the take the talent out of it, like the Bears could easily be six and four right now if a few if a few different things break their way. And I know a lot of teams can say that. Whatever, not the point. But yeah, I think when you look at Atlanta, um, you know, a, a few things stand out to me. I think the one thing to note, at least according to Arthur Smith, as of today, there is no quarterback controversy. And uh, Marcus Mariota will be the starter moving forward. So I'm I think shocked. That is a, I just don't understand that. I don't either. I don't um, and we that. we know. And that's the thing is we much like Mitchell Trubisky and 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 you know with Pittsburgh, we know who Marcus Mariota is. We know Marcus Mariota is not a long term answer at the quarterback position. I, I agree. I, I mean, I'll be honest. I don't think Desmond Ritter was nearly as good as what some people made him out to be at, at Cincinnati. I actually think like when I went back and evaluated uh, Alec Pierce as a receiver at Cincinnati, I felt like uh, Ritter actually held him back as a receiver just because of how poor his ball placement was a lot of the time. With that being said, though, what do you have to lose at this point? Right. I mean, I guess they're still technically in the division race because the NFC South is terrible, but I, I just I don't see any I don't see any long term gains from them trying to quote unquote win you know win the division and 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 try to make the playoffs. It kind of feels like a situation that the Bears were in a few years ago. Again, you know, going back to twenty twenty uh, with Trubisky and Foles, and then basically you know limping into the playoffs, you know, and kind of uh, just you know delaying the inevitable for a year. Um, so yeah, I don't know, man. I, here's a few things that kind of stand out to me. I think Atlanta overall. Um, offensively, I mean, this is it, really what this comes down to for them offensively. I mean, they got a pretty good offensive line. Um, Ian McGarry is a guy that I would definitely keep an eye on just for the simple fact that he is supposed to be a free agent at the end of the year. He's a right tackle. Uh, he would be a outstanding addition for the bears on the offensive line. Atlanta does have a lot of cap space and it's, I kind of don't see him, you know, th- them letting him walk unless they have other plans. Um, but you know, it's definitely worth keeping, you know, keeping an eye on. I think, Really the big question for me from the Bears defense, and Marcus Mariota is not very good, but he can run. Um, how are they going to stop that rushing attack, man? Cordero Patterson should be, you know, should have a pretty big game against them. And I think offensively for the Bears, when I look at that, 
you're looking at, you know, they're going, they're going to be going against the league's worst passing defense, right? The, the Falcons are giving up almost 300 yards a game through the air. Um, they are, you know, considerably far and away the worst passing uh, defense in terms of yardage and, 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 and some other numbers out there. So this is another somewhat favorable matchup for the Bears offense to where, you know, they're averaging again over the last four games, they're averaging over 40 points a game or over 30 points a game. I'm sorry. Um, and this is another yet another game where they should be able to do some things. Uh, you know, and hopefully they can get the passing game. But yeah, the, the passing game going. But yeah, I think um, I don't know. It, it's it's a winnable game. Um, the Falcons have been just about as inconsistent as the Bears have been. But again, man, w- w- with the with the team that we've seen from the Bears, it seems like even when you you think they're starting to figure things out, it's like as we saw, man, in the moments notice, a fourteen point lead, you know, late in the fourth quarter or late in the third quarter can turn into a one point loss in in a hurry, regardless of who they're playing. So we'll have to see what happens. But I, I again. I mean, kind of going back to it, like win, lose, or draw, it doesn't really much matter to me because it's just it's it's just exciting to be able to watch this offense. Hopefully, Claypool will be healthier. Hopefully, they can get the passing offense going. It'd be nice to start seeing Fields consistently throw the ball, uh, you know, thirty times a game or so, and kind of you know up those numbers a little bit, up um, you know just the overall passing attack, and kind of see what you have in Chase Claypool. Uh, see if you know Cole Komet can continue to make make that next step. See if Darnell Mooney can finally have that first hundred yard game of the season, and just kind of see what else is around uh, offensively. I think this is definitely one of those games again where they they should have a pretty good shot of being able to you know break that thirty point plateau again. Yeah, and it'll be the uh, what fourth no fourth straight fifth straight if they get over twenty nine points. Um, <laughs> I think what they've uh, had that streak of losing. Um, has it been four straight over 29 points? Am I, is that right or is it three straight? Yeah, it's, it's four straight. Yep. Four straight. Yep. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, yeah, this is, a, this is another opportunity for them to go out there, um, kind of gel as an offense. And that's what I want to see. Maybe see a defense play a little better. Um, and we'll kind of have to keep an inj- uh, eye on these injuries. Because I, I thought yesterday, man, losing Tevin Jenkins was, was a big loss. I, I think he's a guy that solidifies your interior. He's a guy. He's your best offensive lineman. Um, and you know, we saw Michael Schofield out there. He wasn't terrible by any means, but it kind of felt like Detroit was getting pressure at the right times, especially in that fourth quarter up the middle, um, you know, forcing Justin Fields to, to, to scramble a little more. And then we'll look in the secondary. Will Kendall Villar be able to play? Um, it was clear Jalen, jo- Jalen Johnson was, um, being bothered by that oblique injury he had yesterday, he even came off the game for a couple series, uh, had the coat on, on the sideline. So, Let's see if the Bears can get healthy. Let's see if they can go on the road, maybe win two games here or, or you know, at least win this one, start with this one, kind of build up some momentum. But, yeah, I mean, you, you talk about the draft position, and right now as we're recording this on Monday, the Bears are, are six in the NFL um, in terms of 2023 NFL draft order. They're three and seven. And the thing that's really holding them back because you look, Carolina's three and seven, New Orleans, whose pick will go to Philly's three and seven, Jacksonville's three and seven. And the Bears are three and seven. Then you got Denver, the Rams, um, Cleveland, who are all their picks are going elsewhere. They're three and six, along with Pittsburgh and Detroit. The Bears' strength of schedule is 0.574, which is the highest of any of those teams right now. And it's actually the highest, pretty much in the top 13, only Green Bay at point, um, 583 is higher than them, really, in the uh, 
top 18 here, and I'm, I'm kind of scrolling down the order. Yeah, and only Green Bay's strength of schedule is higher than Chicago's right now in all of the drafts. So that's something to keep an eye on. And, and this is a game, you know, where if you do lose, you're going to fall back in a draft position, but they're going to need some more teams to lose as well to keep falling back. But if you win, you know, it, it could be a little bit of a boost here, a little boost of morale um, for your team moving forward. I just want to start seeing them play better as a whole. We know we got in Justin Fields. You kind of know what you got in some pieces on the offense, but there's other pieces that could play better. There's a defense that could play a lot better. Um, special teams, you know, it's kind of stumbled a bit here in the past couple of weeks. Overall, they've been good, but kind of playing a well-rounded game, a, a complete game is something you kind of want to see here in, in this rebuild. So I guess to wrap things up, Aaron, as we always do, let's give our X factor and predictions. I, I went first last week, I believe. So I'll, I'll let you go first on this one. Yeah, I think uh, as far as prediction goes, I feel like the Bears are better off when I when I take them to lose. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to go. I'm going to say 34-31 Falcons. Um, frankly, at this point in time, man, I just, it's just it's impossible to trust this defense to keep any team under 30 points, right? I mean, it just is what it is. I think the offense is going to do well again which kind of plays into my X factor because I think ultimately the X factor for this game is I think that the, the bears need to make a concerted effort to get the passing game going. Now I understand, you know, Luke Getze likes to keep things balanced and quite frankly, I mean, not even really balanced. Like he just likes to run the ball a lot and it's been working for them. They're a run first team. I totally get that, but I'd like to see him start getting fields out of the pocket a little bit more. I'd like to see, um, you know, them kind of use the run game to their advantage in the pass game. Because again, man, the Falcons are giving up, I think it's like 200 and see the 275 or 285 yard passing yards per game. This is a type of game where I'd really like to see just really mainly for the fact that I'm so sick of hearing people. Well, you know, how is Justin Fields really improving if he's not even throwing for 200 yards a game? Like I would really like to see Justin Fields have that first 300 yard um, performance. Like I, I think that this is the type of defense to do it against. Um, but I guess we'll just see. I, I, you know, it's it's one of those. I think we're going to see a lot of the same type of games for the most part. Obviously, they're going to be playing some better defenses down the stretch um, than what we're seeing right now. But I think that this is the, the kind of that last game for a little, little bit where you know this is not going to be a good defense and the bears should be able to score a lot of points but i do think in order for them to win the game even if they have the lead late and be able to hold on to the the lead is to you know find a consistent passing offense make it a priority and have justin field throw the ball 30 times yeah i'm with you this is uh this is another game i think the bears are gonna lose um i hope they they prove me wrong but like you said man it's it's kind of tough and i've Found that if I, um, you know, it's, it's hard to trust them right now. So betting, picking against them is, is probably the best case scenario um, in, in terms of the picks. I do think it's going to be a close game. I, I, I think the Bears are, it's going to be something like 27 24 Atlanta, um, you know, maybe 30 27 Atlanta. I think the Bears will be able to move the football. I just, it, like you said, it's just hard to trust this defense, man. It, it's really hard to trust this defense. And for, you know, how bad Kyle Pitts has struggled at times on the offense, whether it's his fault or them not giving him the ball, who's going to cover him in this, on this defense? Are they going to put Jaquan Brisker on him all game? Uh, will we see Kyler Gordon on him? Who's who's going to cover Kyle Pitts? Cause I think he's going to be a big mismatch and, and, you know, maybe this is his breakout year or breakout game um, for Atlanta. My X factor. 
I'm going to say, uh, I'm just going to harp on it again, man. That that defensive line, that front seven, you know, Jack Sanborn got two sacks, should have had an interception in the game. He's played well. I thought Nicholas Morrow's played well for the most part, but man, that, that front four with, with those defensive linemen outside Justin Jones, they got to find someone to get to the quarterback. Like they're just not getting it done right now, pretty much all season long. So I'm going to say that the, the, uh, the pressure on the quarterback, the front seven blitzes sacks getting to uh, looks like Marcus Mariota. So yeah, I'll go with that as my X factor. Aaron, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at and where can everyone read your work? Yep. You can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL on Twitter and you can read my work at bearreport.com. Awesome. And you can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at just Bear Report. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Zach Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. Please make sure to rate, review, subscribe on all major podcasting platforms. It really helps out our podcast as well as picks for polls. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode recapping the Bears game against the Falcons. Also previewing week 12 against the New York Jets. It'll be the holidays, Thanksgiving. So everyone, until then, please stay safe. Please stay healthy. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.